You know, we like to joke around on Father's Day. And I want to be very careful about this. Because dads like to joke. But in the world and in the culture in which we live today, we have made dad a joke. And being a dad is no joke. There are, many of you probably have heard this story. It's a simple little story about a mom who walked down the hallway. She had just had a baby, and they had just brought this baby home, and the baby was in the nursery, and she was walking down the hall to check on the baby in the nursery. Well, when she rounded the corner and looked into the room, there she saw her husband looking down at the baby, intently looking at the baby, and she just stood back and enjoyed the scene. She could tell by how intently he was looking that this was a moving moment for him, and she got caught up in the emotion of it, and she tiptoed up, and she slipped her arm into his, and she said, what are you thinking? And he looked down, and he was shaking his head, and he said, man, I'm just trying to figure out how they can make a crib like this for eighty nine ninety five. <laughs> Dads have a different way of looking at things. But that doesn't make them a joke. Because being a dad, as different and unique as it is, is no joke. Amen? I want to today, I want to take a look at and, and just briefly go through a dad in the scriptures. And I want to talk about a dad in scripture, a dad that was absolutely no joke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40, I want to just uh, go through this story here with us about a dad that's no joke. You can follow along in your app and the sermon notes, or you can watch and follow along up here. Let's read this, looking at verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Now, Jesus is he's bringing these large crowds together. He had just cast out of the demoniac the demons that went into the pigs and, and created this huge uproar. And so Jesus, whether you liked him or didn't like him, Jesus was drawing these big crowds. I mean, there were people who didn't like him that came to just watch and see what he was doing. There was people who just came to see the miracles. There was people who just came to find out, is this guy real or not? There was so much going on in Jesus that people were flocking to him and people were coming. And here he is, he's coming back into uh, Galilee and, and the people are awaiting for him there. And in verse 41, and there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him. And, and some of your versions will say he begged him. He implored him what to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive and active. I thank you for letting your word settle in the hearts, the minds, the hearts of each one that's here. And I pray, God, that you would do what you designed before the beginning of time with this word. Lord, I pray and I beg you, Lord, let your word not be limited by my 
inadequate ability to discern it or to describe it, but God, let your word do what only you can by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let there be life, let there be liberty, let there be the power of your presence that would come and encourage us in all ways, in all things. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen? Today, this is a story I want to talk to you about, but I want to talk to you, listen, I'm obviously, it's Father's Day, so we're focusing this on fathers. Well, if you just don't happen to be a father today, don't tune out. This message really is for everybody. It's a message that you can, uh, you can apply in your life, a message that you should apply in your life, no matter where you are, what state you're in as far as your lifestyle. So please, as I focus this on fathers, and I don't want to be apologetic about that. I don't, just because your experience or your background may not be a good experience or good background, I don't want to back away from what God truly as fathers, but also as mothers, as human beings, as Christians, the body of Christ, what God has called us to do. So I hope you'll receive this with the intent and the heart that I wanted you to have this. Amen? So this story here is a story about a man named Jairus, and it very clearly tells us that Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. Now, again, a leader of the synagogue was an important man. That was an important job. It was an important position, um, at, at least in uh, the way that people viewed it. For him, it, it may not have been anything more than an honorary title, but a lot of work. He was responsible for the daily operations of the church. He was responsible for what happened in the church, for what went on in the church. He was responsible for when the church got dirty and for when the church needed to be cleaned up. He was responsible for the synagogue and all the things that were going on in it. He was responsible for arranging the services. His responsibility was to decide who was going to do what in those services. His responsibility was to be a janitor, to arrange things. It really is a whole lot. Not like what a pastor today would have to do and the responsibilities that we have to make sure that things go well and to make sure that things are cleaned up. I mean, I always want this place to be nice when you come. I want to have things orderly. I want to make sure that we have things organized. And that's exactly what he would do. And so he would choose who was going to read the scriptures. He would choose who was going to deliver the sacred scrolls. He was the one who would choose who was going to read the scrolls and then who was going to present the message, who was going to teach that day. And so... Um, Again, this guy would have been fairly well-known in the community. People would have known him because he was the leader of the synagogue. And therefore, for many, he was well-respected in the community. And one of the things that I thought was so important is that this man, because he was the, the leader of the synagogue, would have heard Jesus preach, would have heard Jesus speak, would have heard Jesus teach. He would have heard Jesus open the scrolls. He would have heard Jesus at some point or another during this time. So Jairus, I want you to see him as this man who was an important religious leader in that day. He was a, a well-respected man, a religious leader. But that's not all he was. Jairus was also a dad. And Jairus, you listen, Jairus, we don't know a whole lot about his daughter here, but he had one, obviously. What we do know is that she was 12 years old. And what we do know is that, I mean, we don't even know her name. All we know is that she was called Jairus's daughter. 
I thought, man, honestly, in my mind, I thought, that seems a little disrespectful. Then I started to think about that, and I realized that I was wrong with that thought. I wish today more kids were known as uh, so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter rather than being so-and-so's father or so-and-so's mother. You know, today we have way too many parents that are acting like kids and not enough kids that are acting like or representing their fathers or their parents. And that shouldn't be. You know, we're not called as parents. We're not called to be friends. We're called to be parents. And therefore, we're supposed to be setting an example. And obviously, this is what this is going on in this place here. And our kids, parents, man, your job is not to look like your kids, to act like your kids. It's to bring your kids to a place where they act like or they receive from you what things should look like. Our kids need to find identity. And listen, I don't care whether you are a a, a natural father, whether you're a spiritual father, or whether you are an emotional father to somebody, or you will be to somebody. Each and every one of us as kids, we get our identity from someplace. And where God intended that identity to come from is he intended us to receive our identity from a good father. And that's the way God made it to be. And so looking at this little girl, Jairus' daughter, she's 12 years old. What do you think she saw in her dad? I mean, I'm sure she knew that he was a respected man in the community. I'm sure she knew that people looked up to him. I'm sure that she knew when they went out, people looked up to him and, and, you know, honored him and were happy to see him. But she was 12 years old. I wonder if she looked at her dad the same way that a lot of 12-year-olds look at their dads today. I wonder if she thought her dad was so old-fashioned. I wonder if she thought her dad was such a prude. I wonder if she thought, my dad just doesn't get it. Like so many teenage girls look at their dads today. I wonder if she looked at him that way. I mean, again, it's just part of the wonder in my own mind as to what was going on. I would imagine, church, I would imagine that there probably was a little bit of that. Just human nature, just growing up, just the undeveloped brain trying to, uh, trying to understand the developed brain or, or vice versa and the conflict that comes in that. I don't know what she literally in those areas, I don't know what she thought or how she felt towards her dad. But you know what? There are a few things that we can absolutely be sure that we know she saw. And that's what I want to focus on is what we know she saw. And when people look at our lives, what do people see? The first thing I think is so important is this little girl, she saw a dad that was not ashamed to seek Jesus. It says in verse 41, it says, there came a man named Jairus. I think about that. You know, this guy didn't do what Nicodemus did, and he was a religious leader. He was the leader of the synagogue, an important religious man. And he didn't wait until it was nighttime. He didn't sneak around. He didn't sneak in the back door. He didn't try to find a time when he could sneak in and find Jesus alone. He didn't wait for a time like that. You know what? There were multitudes of people that were surrounding Jesus here. In Mark's version of this, it's a big, it's a big story. There's a huge crowd that are all around him. These crowds that were coming and pressing in. And here comes Jairus. 
He didn't allow his pride to stop him. He didn't allow his position to stop him. He didn't allow who people thought he was to stop him. He didn't allow anything to stop him. You know why? Because he was a good dad and his daughter was sick. Jairus, man, he came to Jesus and he didn't care about coming to Jesus as a leader in the church or a, spirit or, or a religious leader. He didn't care about that. You know what? He came to Jesus because his daughter was sick and he didn't care who saw. You know, I, as a father, I mean, for me as a father, one of the most heartbreaking things there is to see is my, my kid's sick. When they're sick and going through something, you know how many of you, moms, dads, all, I mean, we've looked at them and thought, oh man, if there's something I could do to take this from you, I would. If I could take this upon myself, I would. Because it breaks our heart to see a kid that's sick. And Jairus, Jairus was not ashamed to go to Jesus. He wasn't ashamed to approach Jesus. Jairus stepped up and he stepped out and he pushed his way through the crowd. He had no reservation. He had no pride in this. And he pressed his way through the crowd and he came to Jesus, this religious leader. He came and what did he do? He falls down on his knees before Jesus. He didn't allow pride to stop him. He didn't allow anything to stop him from getting to Jesus. And when he got there, he fell down at Jesus' feet. And notice that it was Jairus that went himself. Jairus is the one who went to Jesus. And guys, listen. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send any other kid. He didn't send a servant. He didn't send a friend. Jairus went to Jesus himself. Jairus went to seek Jesus himself. Listen, church, my prayer in preparing this, my prayer in this day today is that I pray that God would raise up men that were willing to seek Jesus without being ashamed. That in the church today, we would see men rise up to take that position and not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Men that would take their priestly responsibility over their home, would take the responsibility to lead and to be that priest in the home. Listen, church, you're called. Men, you're called to be the priest in your home. I'm not called to be the priest in your home. I'm tr- my call in that my responsibility is to teach you how to be the priest in your home, not to take that job from you. The gospel should be declared in our homes and it should be in our houses and we shouldn't be ashamed to do that. But you know, one of the big problems that we have today, one of the most important things that's happened that's created a huge mess is that today we have men that are seeking golf balls and NASCAR races and four-wheeling trips and football games. Seeking those things over seeking the power of God on a Sunday morning. And it's created a mess. Because kids, what do they see? They see dads seeking after worldly pleasures. They see dads seeking after the, the desire for a hobby. They see dads seeking after things that are temporal rather than those things that are eternal. They see kid, they, kids watch dads seeking after worldly pleasures over the power of God. 
And then to feel better, we'll, we'll send our wife off with the kids to church rather than leading them there ourselves. Where are the dads? Now again, I commend you. You're here today, so please, I, I commend you in that. Where are the fathers? Where are those that will be spiritual fathers, emotional fathers? Where are the physical fathers? You know what? In the, in the scriptures, we are called to seek after God above everything else, above anything else. There should be in us something that says, I have to seek God above everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto me. We seek God first and we as men, we got to rise up as those would be fathers. We need to rise up and begin to seek God above everything else, to come after God and to seek him boldly, not to come in dark, not to come ashamedly, but to unashamedly begin to seek God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with everything that is in us. We say, Lord God, I seek you first and I come after you. What a difference it would make in a family if a family saw dad seeking God first. So Jairus, man, Jairus was a good father. The second thing is that she saw was this little girl saw dad not being ashamed to bring Jesus to the house. She saw a dad that wasn't ashamed to bring Jesus home. It says in verse 41, it says he implored him, he begged him to come to the house. And then you see in the next verse, it says that, that the next event that goes on is that as Jesus went, as Jesus went, meant that they were on their way to Jairus' house. Jesus was on his way. The multitude, the crowd was following behind. Everyone, they were on their way. I thought about that, and I think about what kind of phone call that would be to Joni. Hey, honey. Yeah, Jesus is coming. Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. Um, so is everyone else. Where are the men that are willing to bring Jesus home no matter what it costs? No matter what kind of mess it might make. No matter what it might take for us to walk through that. They were on their way. Jairus was there. I pray that God would raise up dads who would bring Jesus to the house. Men who would stand up. Where is the Joshua generation that's been declared? Where are those who would stand up and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to put him first and put him first in everything. Where are those that would stand up and say, you know what? Today is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm not going to let yesterday stop me from walking into the tomorrow that God has for me, for my marriage, for my children, for the future. I walk into it knowing that I will be one who will seek God first. You guys line up because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Where are those men that would lead their family in prayer at the dinner table rather than just relegating it to the kids or relegating that responsibility to mom? Where are the dads who will lead their families in prayer at the dinner table when it's not dinner time? Church, where are those where are those? Look, Dad, you want to bless your family? And I know you do. You want to bless your family? Here's, here's the, the best, the most, best thing that you can do. 
If you want to bless your family, then lead your family in prayer. You lead your family in prayer and you will grow taller in the eyes of your children. They won't want to laugh at you. They will admire you. Oh, they may act uncomfortable, but they will find great comfort in it. Listen, we need dads who would invite Jesus into their home by reading the word of God to those in the home. We need those, we need dads who would invite Jesus into the home and who would leading them in prayer. We need dads who would invite Jesus into the home by leading them to worship, to worship, to sing, but leading them to worship, leading them to service, leading them to church, rather than, well, I guess there's no good games on, so I'll go with you today. Rather than that, men that would stand up and say, you're coming to church with me today. You guys, I'm not following you. You're going to follow me. Listen, church, we need to be leading them to prayer, leading them to read the word, leading them to worship, rather than them leading us. It's a call that God has given us. And this guy, in in Matthew chapter 9, it says this, it says about the same story, it says, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. He came and he worshipped him. Look, fathers, let your kids see you honoring the Lord. Let your kids see you honoring the Lord over you honoring your job. Let your kids see you honoring the Lord over you honoring your hobby. Let your kids see you honoring the Lord over you honoring your worldly pleasures. Let your kids, let them see you worshiping. Let them see you reading your word. Let them hear you reading that word and praying over them. Let your kids see you all out, no holds barred. Let them see you going for it, living for Jesus. Living for him in everything. I pray that God would give us dads who would invite Jesus into the home. And the last point is this. What this little girl saw was she saw a dad that was not ashamed to put the life of his child into the hands of Jesus. Look at the rest of this story in verse 49. And again, put yourself in the position of what was going on here. Because he's been seeking Jesus, all these things going on. And verse 49 says, While he was still speaking, talking about Jesus, someone from the ruler's house came and said, are, are the, are the, um, I'm sorry, while you, he was still speaking, talking about the Jairus's, uh, Jairus, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. How many of you have found yourself in that place before? Man, because Jairus is... He'd been seeking Jesus. He fought through the crowd. He spent the time. He put the effort in. He came to Jesus. He spoke with Jesus. Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming to the house. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and smacks him in the face and saying, hey, don't bother. Your daughter's dead. Man, that's bad news. That is bad news. But Jesus, 
in verse 50, on hearing this, answered him and said, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. You know, he had now, he had this person that came bringing him physical fact and he had Jesus saying something that was going to require faith for him to believe. What do you do when what you see in the physical doesn't line up with what Jesus tells you in the spiritual? So yeah, that was good news. But here he is looking at this thing going, well, my daughter is dead. And Jesus says, just believe. What's he going to believe? In those situations, what do you believe? He had a decision to make. And you can tell by this next verse what he decided. And when he came to the house, come on, he continued to bring Jesus home. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James the father and mother of the ch- and the father and the mother of the child verse 52 and all the were they were there weeping and they were mourning for her the, the mourning party was there they were all there crying and weeping and Jesus walks into them all and says do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him knowing that she was dead how do you respond when people laugh at you for your stand of faith when people laugh about what Jesus has said or people mock you for the things that you believe, for the gospel, how do you respond and react? These people were laughing, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called saying, Child, arise! And her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And the parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Look, Jairus gets this bad news that she's dead. And when he got the bad news, do you know what he didn't do? What, what so many of us do? You know, we've been seeking Jesus. We've been seeking him. No, I did that. I went to church for like five weeks in a row. And I was there and I went to the prayer meetings and I was praying and God, I was calling out and I was asking you and I really felt by faith that you were going to do this thing. And I know that we were on the same page and I knew that this was all going well. And then everything fell apart and exactly what I was praying not to happen, happened. And our natural inclination at that point is to turn and go, well, this Jesus junk doesn't work. See, I tried it. And what do we do? We push Jesus away because Jesus didn't do what we told him to do when we told him to do it. You know what? When Jairus got bad news that she was dead, he didn't push Jesus away. No, he continued to press in. When Jairus had friends that were laughing and mourning, those guys, they were laughing at Jesus. You know what? He didn't join the crowd and... No, he didn't turn on Jesus. You know what he did? He gave his little girl into Jesus' care. He didn't know what was going to happen. But whatever happened, he was trusting Jesus. And he put his little girl into her hands. You know what? We need dads who will trust Jesus and dedicate their children to the Lord. 
We need dads that will lead their children to God's will for their lives. To what God wants for their lives, you know? I was, going, I, I, I was going in this direction following my dad, but all of a sudden God came in and God intervened and God took me into a new direction and my dad blessed me there. At that intersection, that crossroad, I was going this way, but then I went that way. Think about Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was following Abraham, and he was following Abraham up the mountain. He was headed to the, the, the altar of sacrifice, and he was going that way. And Abraham, he had a plan. He, had, he knew what was going to happen. His will was to fulfill the will of the Father and to take his son to the altar of sacrifice, and if it need be, he was going to sacrifice him. And at the altar of sacrifice, God showed that he had a different plan for Isaac than what Abraham did. And he saved that boy from the altar and took him into a new direction. And Abraham blessed him, even if it wasn't the direction that Abraham thought. Are you willing to bless your children even if they choose to go in a direction that you may not necessarily think is what they should do? Because church, if we're raising them up and training them up, you got to understand that God has a plan for each and every one of them. God has a plan for each and every one of you. God created you with a purpose and he knows the plans that he has for you. And he has plans for what he desires for you to do, for the will of God that's for your life. And God had a plan for this little 12-year-old girl, even though don't even know her name, we know that God, even without knowing her name, we know that God had a plan for this little girl. And the plan was that she would live and not die. And I don't know what this little girl ended up going forth and doing, but I can guarantee you that she went out and she did something spectacular. She went out and did something that was extraordinary. She went out and did something that changed her world because God had a plan for her. And God raised her up and took her out to the things that she would do one day. And look at what Jesus said, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. Man, as a dad... There is nothing in this world, nothing that, that could ever happen, nothing has given me more opportunity to fear than raising children. Oh, Lord. But you know, he completely, Jairus completely put his daughter into the hands of God's care. He trusted God more than he trusted himself. And therefore, Jairus put her future, their future, into God's hands. You know, God did not give us children so that we could mold them into what we think they should be. He did not give us children so that we could mold them into what we, they, we think they should do. He didn't. Our purpose, think about this, our purpose with our children is not to duplicate ourselves or to make an exact copy but our job with our kids is to replicate ourselves. And that means to pour into them what God has given in character and integrity and, in, and, and just faithfulness and what God has given to them in strength and to say, okay, now do, take those things, go replicate those things and go do what God has called you to do. 
Our purpose is to replicate ourselves because inside of each and every child, inside of each and every one of you, and inside of each and every kid that God has given to you to watch over, whether you be a physical, spiritual, or emotional father, let me just say, every single kid, every single, and I have spiritual sons that are older than me. Every single kid is an unlocked treasure box. Every single one of them. Look around. This place is filled with treasure boxes and some are still unlocked because dad didn't take the time to find out what needed to happen to unlock that treasure. Because as parents, our responsibility as fathers is to see that treasure box unlocked, to find the potential that's in their release, to give God the opportunity to move in their lives. And we need dads. That'll never happen without dads that completely trust Jesus. Even when things start to look bad, even when the circumstances aren't working the way we think that they should? Will we still turn to God rather than run from God? Will we turn into Him rather than away from Him when things don't seem to go the way that we think or the way that we want? I pray that God would give us dads who would commit their children into the hands of God. Like Jairus did. Worship team, would you come on back up? Okay, this is one I want to, I'm going to focus this question towards the dads, but it really does reflect to all of us what we should be seeing or looking at. But it's Father's Day, so dads, what do your children see in you? Think about it. If you think about what you saw in your dad, whether it be good or bad, what you did not see was all of his intentions. What you see and saw were his actions. So by your actions, what do your children see? Do they see a dad that's not ashamed to seek the Lord? Do they see a a father who's not ashamed to bring Jesus into your home? To let Jesus have the seat at the head of the table? To let Jesus have the best seat in the living room? Do we have dads that are willing to bring Jesus home and, and give him the master bedroom, so to speak? Do your kids see a dad that prays for them, that reads the word of God for them, that commits them into the hands of the Lord? Do they see that? Because Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it says this. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is, it is, what? The gospel, church, not you, not me, it is the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That includes all of our kids, all of the fools that that God has given into our fold. It includes everybody. It's the Jew first and also to the Greek. Church, we need dads. We need fathers. 
We need fathers that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need dads who will stand up in their home and declare, Thus saith the Lord over my household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am not ashamed of the gospel. We need dads who will step up, who will rise up, who will declare in their homes the goodness of God. Where are those who will rise up in a spirit of Jairus? You know, I want to do this. I want all of you, you, you guys who stood up earlier, all of you men, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, all of you that, are, that are, have dadded someone, fathered someone in that realm, I want you all to stand up to your feet, would you please? not even a point of if you have done this this is a point of will you be willing to do this whether it be with stepchildren those who God would bring into your life maybe those young people that would be around you at work God has called you and he has set you apart for a day just such as this for a time just as this you are here for a reason and a purpose and God has a plan a very specific plan for you and his desire is that you we would step up and not let the enemy hinder us but that we would step up and that we would seek Jesus with all of our heart that we would bring Jesus into our home purposefully and that we would put our family that we would put our lives into the hands of Jesus and church I want you to pray with me, to pray that God would in this place raise up those men, those mighty men of valor, those mighty men of God, those who would stand with the sword in one hand and the shovel in the other, ready to work as God's called me to, but ready to war for that which God has given me responsibility. Where are the mighty warriors? Where are the soldiers? Where are those who in Christ will stand for their home and stand for their family and say no to the devil? Where are those who are willing to stand face to face with evil and say no more not anymore in my house this is the day this is the moment and today is a brand new day God told me this is the day that he has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it because if this is a new day then God has given me a new opportunity he's given me a new way to go about what I've been going about in maybe the wrong way but today is a brand new day and the grace of God is sufficient for me let's pray church let's pray for the men of God the men of valor Lord I thank you for warriors I thank you Lord God for the mighty men of David who came into the cave at Adullam and came in there broke and destitute they came in there broken men they came into that cave Lord they came in as men who were in debt and bound up in worldly ways and God in a moment in a cave you took and turned about and from that place brought forth the mighty warriors of David, the mighty men of David who stood and did great exploits, mighty exploits for their king. And I thank you that in this place today, mighty men have risen up. Mighty men are standing that shall do great exploits for their king. That they shall rise up in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their lives.
life. And they will not, Lord God, turn from you. But they will in all things turn to you. And I thank you for that, Lord. We pronounce blessing over these men who come to the Father. Men who come, Lord God, in him humility. Men who come to bow down. Men who come, Lord, to lead in grace. And who come to lead in in dignity, Lord, that you endow us with, that you pour out, Lord. We come to you today. We come to the Father, and we thank you for what you have given us, and we thank you for the blessing that you are in our life. God, we love you, and I thank you, Lord God, and we lead our families today. We lead in worship. We lead in direction. We lead, Lord God, in a heart that stands before our God. Lift up your voices right now. Lead your family. Lead them as you worship Him.
on, give a shout of praise. We thank God. We thank God that today is a day that He's made, meaning there's a day of fresh beginning, that there's no condemnation in Him, <coughs> that God is taking us somewhere from where we are today. Amen? So God bless you and happy Father's Day. Listen, church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the church. God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful day today. Happy Father's Day. Run to the Father.